It's that season. We're officially in the month of December, although it hasn't felt like it these past few days. Nonetheless, we're quickly approaching the Christmas season, and we're using the Christmas accounts and all that took place through that particular time period to teach on the series that we've entitled Positioning Yourself for a Breakthrough. Positioning Yourself for a Breakthrough. We mentioned last Sunday, the first in our series of lessons, we entitled it, Is Everything in Order? And we talked about how that there are moments that God breaks through in our life with good things, with special things, with blessing, with help, with deliverance, with all the things that he is more than capable of doing. And sometimes he does that sovereignly. And what I mean by that is he does that just because he can. He didn't ask you, you may not have asked him. He's just this sovereign God who watches over all. And he, the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the Lord's hand so he can move rulers and nations. And he can do all kinds of things without checking in with anybody. Amen. I always tell people, God can do it without having to go through a committee. God can do it without getting a vote. God isn't looking for our endorsement. He's God. And he just can do it. And that's what it means to be sovereign. Sovereignly he moves. And those are wonderful times when he sovereignly does things in our life. That, those are those moments when you smile and you go, wow, wasn't expecting that. That was God. And those are cool moments and, and God does it. However... Having said that, there are other moments of breakthrough. In fact, I just want to suggest to you that a lot of your breakthrough hinges on that second type, which is the type that you must position yourself. What the Bible calls that is, listen, obedience. Deuteronomy 28 is one of the greatest verses for that. He said, if you obey my voice, and all that I have commanded you. Then will I pour forth of these blessings. We always want the Deuteronomy 28 stuff that we quote every Sunday, but that Deuteronomy 28 is conditioned by an if. Everyone say if. Whenever you read the word if, that means it's your deal. It's your deal. And a lot of our breakthrough is not just God sovereignly blasting in, but a lot of our breakthrough is us positioning ourselves in obedience in order that, that we are aligned in a way that God says, I can move on that. I, I can move to that. You know, a lot of times positioning isn't only obedience. Positioning is faith. He's looking for these elements in his people's lives, in their lives, in order for him to begin to move and bring breakthrough to them. When Jesus came to this earth, when God incarnated himself, which means that he literally, God literally enfleshed himself to become like us. Jesus, Jesus was not 50% man, 50% God. That is not correct doctrine. It says, the Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him. He was 100% God, 100% man. It's a mystery. Paul said it's the mystery of the incarnation. That God would enflesh himself in order that we might better know him and understand him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, and so when Jesus came, he came not just expressing a good idea or expressing something that a, a great philosopher or a great teacher. I always like Josh McDowell at this point. I'm just kind of shooting my mouth off here for a minute. Just bear with me. 
But, you know, a lot of people, you know some of them will look at you and you'll talk about Jesus to them. And they'll say, well, you know, I, I think Jesus was a good teacher. I think he was a good philosopher. But, you know, I just, I don't know about all that other stuff, about being God and redemption. And you know what I want to say? I want to say this. Listen, either Jesus was a liar or he was a lunatic or he was God. Because you can't walk around looking at people saying, if you want to see God, look at me. That boy's nuts. He's crazy. The things that Jesus said, if that, it's, it's either he's just a liar, he's a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And that's the, that's the confrontation of the ages. Don't you patronize me or him. By looking at me saying, I just think he was a good teacher. No, he wasn't. You think he's a nut, really. Why don't you just admit, at least be truthful. Just say what you think, because he wasn't a great teacher if he's lying. And if he's a lunatic, he wasn't a great philosopher. But if he's God, everything he said then is true. And he came pronouncing these words. Listen to this. He said, when he came and started his ministry, he said, I have come to declare, now he's speaking to the people, he said, I have come to declare the favorable year of the Lord. I've come to declare the dawn of a new era. I've come to declare a new season. I've come to declare that the page of history is now turning. I've come to declare a breakthrough in people's lives. Come on, can you say amen to that? I mean, I need a page turned every now and then. I need a new season. I need a new day. I need a new era. And Jesus said, as he looked at him, he said, I've come to break through the status quo. I'm breaking, listen to me, he's breaking through our religion. And he's breaking through our tradition. This is the most interesting thing. I'm just kind of off on my own here. Will you let me just be here for just a minute? Jesus came breaking through the very thing that God had originally established. Because they got the original screwed up. And so he just said, even the thing that my father established, in fact, the Bible says that he came to his own first, but his own received him not. And so what did Jesus do? He said this. He said, I'm going to transfer the kingdom to a nation that will produce the fruit of it. And here's the deal. If, if we don't determine we're going to walk with God, it won't faze him all that much. He'll find somebody who in obedience and who in faith will go all out for him and he'll say, I'll use them. I'll use two, three, ten. I don't need thousands. I'll just use a few and I can still do my work on the earth. I mean, he will mess your religion up. Boy, he sure did. In there. And so breakthrough, he's going to mess your life up in a good way. No, don't, don't misunderstand. Whenever we think of somebody coming messing us up, we think, oh, that's bad. No, it's good. Because we're so messed up as a people, we need another mess up to get us right. And people need breakthroughs. They need breakthroughs in relationships, in their marriage, in their family, in their finance. Young people, you might need breakthroughs with teachers and schoolwork and friends and I'm telling you, everybody needs a breakthrough in some area. And so we began last week by saying, let's put things in order. God works when he sees order. Now, the second thing I want to talk about, I put it in the form of a question is, can you believe without seeing? If you want a breakthrough, now listen, we're talking about how do I position myself so that God is not impaired in breaking through. Now, I understand he can do anything he wants and 
your disobedience won't necessarily stop him, but you're betting on his sovereignty instead of getting obedient and faithful. And so we need to do our part. And we've got to believe before we see. Now, there are two stories I want to read to you that are kind of similar in some ways, but then they're very different in other ways. And so I want to read them to you. Bear with me. Oftentimes, we don't read as much scripture, perhaps, as we might need to. So I'm going to read a couple of of lengthier passages. If you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, I'm going to begin with verse 5. I'm going to read to you the account of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, this is actually before the angel visits Mary. But something very interesting happens here, and listen. It says these words, Luke 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now listen, verse 6. They're both righteous before God. They're walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Isn't that good? So they're good people. We're not talking about heathens. We're not talking about wayward, rebellious. It says here they're doing everything they know to do. Verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. In other words, they're just too old to have a baby. Verse 8, so it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. That was his service in the house of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, I'll bet. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, isn't that good news? I mean, that's miraculous news. That's incredible news. That's that's impossible news. And you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he'll be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He'll also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children to the dis- and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And all that is good, but we get in trouble at verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's nicely written in the Bible, but he said, you hadn't seen Elizabeth. I'm an old man, but you hadn't seen, you hadn't seen my wife. She's well advanced in years. It's a good thing he's by himself at that moment, wasn't it? Good thing Elizabeth wasn't in there. Verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, and you might want to underline this, it says this. This is what the angel says to Zacharias. He says, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. I'll cut to the chase. The angel said this, I'm zipping your lip. Sovereignly, you won't say a word from this time forward until John's born. Now, keep that in mind and leap over in the same chapter, verse 26. Let's talk about Mary. Most of us know the story of Mary and 
and how the angel came to her. But let's, let's, let's read it one more time and see how it shakes here. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel's busy these days, isn't he? And was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, verse 34, it it appears almost to be a similar kind of question, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And uh, then it says, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. Verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Very similar type stories, but something incredibly different is happening at the heart of it. I'm going to synopsize these two things real quickly. Zechariah hears this report from the angel, and he has a question for the angel. And you need to understand that the question Zechariah had was birthed out of a doubt everyone say doubt you can believe in God and still doubt are you with me see he was a priest and as a priest there were several things as a priest number one is he was more culpable probably than a teenage Mary would have been because as a priest he would have undoubtedly known the story of Abraham and Sarah it was almost the exact same story Abraham and Sarah were well aged and and the promised child Isaac comes to them in their, in their older years. It's exactly the same scenario. God has done this before. This is not out of, a, out of you know, some new playbook, but the Lord actually had done this very thing in another, in another situation, and he's coming to do it again for Zacharias. But Zacharias, despite being a priest, despite knowing the stories, despite all of the things that would have caused him to be more attuned to the voice of God, he could not see that happening he did not have the eyes of faith why did he not have the eyes of faith because all he could see was that he was old and elizabeth was well advanced in years he had that down but he couldn't see what the angel had spoken to him by way of promise now here's the question that starts to arise what are you looking at Are you looking at only those things in the natural which appear a certain way that condition the way you think? Or are you developing the eyes of faith to begin to see what God has said, not just what is gathering up all around you? Let's go to Mary. Mary, on the other hand, was a teenager. Now, this is what's really great about young people. Young people certainly have their immaturities. They certainly have their moments when they'll exasperate in in the whole process of growing up. But can I tell you one good thing about young people, there's more good things than one, but, but this is a good one, is that they have the capacity to believe. Their future is ahead of them. 
it's bright. I know there are times it can be frustrating because they act like they're indestructible. And they, they act like, you know, life is full of risks and they don't mind taking them. But I can tell you this about young people. They believe so much easier than we do. Maybe it's because they don't have all the experiences. Maybe it's because they don't have the baggage. Maybe it's because they haven't been failed and betrayed as much as you and I as adults have been. But he, the angel comes to marry a teenager who asked a question as well. But her question was a question because this was new territory. There's no story in the Bible like this one. There's, there's no confirming word, so to speak, out of the scriptures that she can just instantly look at and say, oh, okay, you've done that before, so obviously you can do that now. No, this is absolutely new territory, and not only that, when this angel begins to speak to her about being pregnant and giving birth, it would, I would think, in a righteous young woman, instantly click in her mind, how can this be when I am righteous and I'm not married and I'm not betrothed to anybody? How can this be? I, you don't get pregnant before you get married, angel. That's like Christianity 101. Remember order? Covenant, then kids. It tends to work a little better that way. Don't do what Tom Cruise does. He can afford his foolishness. All right, I'll let that one go. So she's going, how can this be? Because if I'm a righteous young woman, this is, the, this is the order. I know no man. And so there's a different attitude. There's a different spirit. It's not birthed out of doubt. It's birthed out of how do I stay righteous here? And then the angel explains the will and the word of God to her when he begins to announce the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. It's going to favor you. And when she begins to hear how God's going to do this and even sustain her righteousness, she says these words. She says, let it be done unto me according to your word. Both of these stories, very similar. Both of them, I would suspect, familiar to many of you. The Lord literally had to do some sovereign things to Zacharias in order to cause him to be mute and overcome his doubt. However, when the angel came to Mary, she was cooperative in her confession. And this is my question. How does God have to deal with you? Does he have to nail your mouth shut? Does he have to tell you all the time, just shut up? Shut up! You speak more death and negativity and anti-scripture and you just your, your, your mouth stops more of me than anything else. It isn't the devil... It isn't everybody else. It's your big mouth. You just run it. And I wonder how many of us would come to the house of God today with zippers on our lip if God still worked with us like he worked with Zechariah. How does he have to deal with you? Does he deal, have to deal that way? Or are you one that can say, Lord, if you said it, I believe it. Let it be done unto me according to your word. How does God deal with you? Let's talk about this for just a minute. Faith. Faith is the evidence, the Bible tells us. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Faith is the evidence of the things you hope for, but you cannot see yet. I'll say that again. Faith is the evidence of the things you hope for, 
but you can't see yet. Now, a lot of people think faith, they get faith and hope mixed up. I mean, everyone here, I would suspect, have some hopes in life. Do you not? I, I would think you have some hopes. Maybe you hope to get promotion. Maybe you hope to get married. Maybe you hope life changes in some particular area. You hope for some form of a breakthrough. I mean, everybody has hopes. I, I, I mean, that's the good thing about serving the Lord. He, he's, he's a God that gives us hope. So we have this hope out there. But the Bible says that, that hope is good. But listen, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is your evidence of that which you've yet to see with your natural eyes. Let me give you an example. If you're hoping for a breakthrough in some area, you've got this hope out here and you can't see it yet. You can't see the breakthrough with your natural eyes. It doesn't seem to be appearing. Let me just suggest this to you. Everything that you're looking at even appears to be the exact opposite of what needs to happen with regards to this breakthrough. God is looking for a people of faith, a person of faith who will evidence or manifest some things out of your life that begin to testify that despite what's around you in the natural, what God has said is more true to you than even what you see. Example, Mary began rejoicing immediately after she received the word of the Lord. Now, she wasn't pregnant. She hadn't got her maternity clothes out yet. There wasn't anything going on in her life that looked like she had, was pregnant. I don't know if she got some goosebumps. We don't know all that may have happened or not happened. But the Bible says that she begins to rejoice in the Lord. She begins to praise God because she believed what God had said she began to see that word more than she saw her circumstances. She wasn't going to believe just what was around her. And can I suggest to you that if she would go home and she would begin to share some of these things, how many of you know there'd be all kinds of people that would look at her and they go, that's nice. And then they'd turn their heads and they'd roll their eyes. But she was convinced that God was true. That's why it says, let God be true and every man a liar. Believing means you must begin to act on what you have yet to see. That's what faith is. Faith isn't just you believe right. Faith, faith is an action. Faith means I am acting on that which I am convinced is true. She was convinced this supernatural pregnancy was true. And so what did she do? She began to praise God. Thank you, Lord. I bless you. I honor you. Even though she hadn't seen anything yet. Well, let me give you some examples in everyday life. Let's say you need promotion. God, you need to open some doors for me. Well, why don't you begin to thank God that he's promoting you? Why don't you begin to say, Lord, your word says that you'll promote me. You said that I can be the head and not the tail. I can be above and not below. I can lend and not borrow. If my enemy comes against me one way, he'll scatter in seven ways. I can be blessed in my barns and my baskets. And all of these things your word says, if I obey the voice of the Lord, and I am obeying the voice of the Lord, so Lord, I believe your word to be true. And despite the fact that that scoundrel in the next cubicle next to me got the job, I still believe you more than I believe what I see. That's when breakthrough can come. In your finances. I want you just to consider this. I hear this a lot. Well, well, God, you give to me and then I'll give to you. Where do we get that one at? Not there. Sure, 
Dump a million on me. I'll give you something. But God says, how about you give me something? So that I can see your faith in action. You have to act, and that demonstrates your faith. How about an open door? You need an open door, not, not make everything absolutely perfect. I've, I've, I've listened to this for years. drove me crazy. People will get their pencil out. They'll figure everything out. They'll dot their I's, cross their T's, make sure the ledger is all in order. And if everything is perfect, they'll stand up and go, must be God. No, it must be your reason, and it must be your logic. Sometimes God says, let's break out of that and act in faith. How many times were God's people told to move or to act in faith and then what they were acting on and believing for came to pass? God didn't drop the walls of Jericho in order that the people could then go in to get the harvest. But he said, you walk around that thing seven times, six times with your mouth shut, seventh time you shout and you watch the walls come down. If it was the modern church today, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do it. And that's why we don't see the kinds of breakthrough that they see, see in the Bible. Faith is the connector to the breakthrough moment. If you can act on the word without always seeing everything, you will see breakthrough. And the reason people don't see breakthrough is that they believe what they see more than what God has said. And this is a hard truth. I just, this, is, this may be the hardest thing I say this morning. Probably not, but anyway, I'll just say that. You disqualify yourself from a breakthrough. Listen to me. You disqualify yourself from a breakthrough when you decide to act in a manner contrary to the word. Because God just isn't going to violate it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can't make up your own rule. And just say, well, well, God knows. Yeah, he knows. He sure does. He knows that's not my word. I'm not breaking through on that. And, and so we've got to understand to, to break through, we get ourselves in order last week, and then we must begin to believe before we even begin to see. Now, I'm going to give you three important points. I'm going to go through this fast. That you just, If you can get these three down, you are so much further down the road than most people. Just these three things. Number one, it, it's just a little quick acrostic I'm using here. The first one is see it. Everyone say see it. See it. You, you've got to ask the Lord to let you see what it is he wants you to do. You've got to begin to see your deliverance. Are you, are you listening to me? If all you see is your bondage, you've got a problem. You've got to start seeing your wholeness. You've got to start seeing your deliverance. You've got to start seeing the final victory. You've got to start seeing your marriage alive and well. You've got to start seeing your destiny fulfilled. Folks, we're going to have to start seeing a church sitting on a piece of property. We're going to have to see that thing. See it. You can't wait until you get everything in order and say, well, then it must be God. No, we're going to have to see it. We're going to have to see people in every seat. We're going to have to see lives that are functional. We're going to have to see beyond the natural and begin to see the possible. Amen. You got to ask God, help me see. Zacharias couldn't see him and Elizabeth having a baby. He just couldn't see it. I mean, we're just old. We're over the hill. We're run down. The biological clock has shut down. Elvis has left the building. I mean, everything looks in the natural, totally the opposite. He could not see the promise of God. Can you see? 
Or do you think you're too old? Time has passed you. You're, you're too desperate, too far in the bottom of the barrel. Things couldn't change. I'm telling you, break out of that and ask God, help me see it. Help me see it. I understand you've got six and a half days out there with the world clamoring at you saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I've got a, a scant two hours a week to get you back in the house of God, get something inside of you that will once again turn your eyes off your circumstance and get it back to the hills from whence cometh your help. See it. See it. People fail because they can't see it. All they can see is what's in front of them. they got to start seeing what God would have for them. Mary could begin to see it. As soon as the angel said, this is how it's going to work, God will overshadow you. God will begin to favor you, for nothing will be impossible with God. Instantly, she said, let it be done unto me then, according to your word, out of the mouth of a teenager. See it. Everyone say it again. See it. I want you to say this. Say, I must see the promise of God. You've got to see it. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Put it on a tape. Put it on whatever you've got, but let it flood your mind so you begin to see it. Number two. You must say it. See it, then say it. Whatever you focus on, you will speak. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what you're focusing on and where your faith is by listening to what you say. Your tongue unveils your heart. You ever hear a person say, well, well, you know, God knows my heart. You've heard people say, God knows my heart. He knows my heart. Well, that's true, as I mentioned earlier. And usually that phrase gets put out there to justify something in their life. They usually got snagged or caught or brought to account on some area of their life. And then instantly they go to, well, you know, God knows my heart. Sure, he knows your heart. You know why he knows your heart? Because out of the abundance of that thing, you've been speaking. Everybody knows your heart. Because they hear it. He does too. Zacharias had to have his mouth sovereignly sealed for nine months. All during Elizabeth's pregnancy. Do you get this? She's pregnant and Zacharias can't say a word. Not a word. You know, I, I have figured that out years ago. I used to read that and say, I don't get why that happened. And finally, it, it dawned on me. Because if Zacharias was allowed to keep on talking, he would have cursed that pregnancy right out of existence. He'd have walked around the house and said, it ain't going to happen. You're too old. It isn't going to come to pass. That incense must have got in my lungs a little too thick that day in the temple. And I just had a hallucination. And, you know, it ain't going to. And he'd have, yeah, yeah. That thing out of existence. And so what did God do? God said, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. I'll just shut you up. I'll just close your mouth. He would have killed that promise with his confession. Now, we need breakthrough in our lives. And my hope is that you could keep a good confession. You've got to keep a good confession about your life. You've got to keep a good confession about your family and about your relationships and about your job. I know it's not easy. I know you've got rascals you work with. I know that maybe your boss is this diabolical Adolf Hitler that, you know, secretly stays up late at night to figure out how to make your life miserable. I understand that's what you think. But you've got to get 
the heart of God and the mind of God and the eyes of God and you got to begin to speak that and God will hear that and he will see that and he'll say there's faith in action and that pleases me that pleases me can I just I just share with you this with regards to church life we're fixing to enter into a a new season and and it's an exciting season it's a challenging season and I'm telling you I I mean I'm in the hunt in a few of these areas and it's very easy when you're in the hunt I'm finding to have doubt creep in and to speculation creep in and there's all sorts of things that begin to to creep in and want to lay hold and you know why that is it's because the enemy doesn't want God's people moving forward he wants you to focus in on your lack and your problems and, and the difficulties and the challenges and he wants you to focus on how no one can get what they say they'll do on time and he wants you to focus on everything under the sun and keep you talking it so you can talk yourself out of the out of the promise of God and you know what this is this is just my pastoral edict just let's just either speak well or shut up I find myself just going and just shutting my mouth amen because the confession is so important Proverbs 18 and 21 you all know this one it says death and life are where in the power of the tongue death and life are in the power of the tongue you know why death comes first in that scripture it's because predominantly that's what comes out of our mouth now I'm not talking about biological death and bi- biological life I'm talking about spiritual death and spiritual life death death means that which is negative that which is failure that which is uh, uh, you know th- th- that which lacks that's death but life is when we speak that which God has promised He came to give life and that more abundantly. We speak hope. We speak promise. We speak possibility. We speak that the future can be as God has said it would be. And so that's what has to fill our mouth. Life, death, and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12, verse 13. I ran across this one just as I was studying. Proverbs 12, 13. It says this. It says, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. What he's saying there is this. He's saying if if we're going to speak that which is wicked, we'll get ensnared. But if we choose to speak that which is righteous, good will come. It will come. Now here's the question. Can you see that? Or will you continue to see all of this we must begin to say it and then finally number three then you must seize it so let one more time everyone say see it it. say it it. seize it it. if you get those three things down you'll be way down the road you need to see it and say it until you seize the deed you seize the title of that promise in your heart. That's what the Hebrew writer was trying to communicate. He said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you'll read in the margin of your Bible, some of your margins will say title, deed. Right in the margin. So what the writer was literally saying, he he was saying faith is the title or the deed of that which you're hoping for. When you get the deed to something, whether or not you've seen it, it's yours. 
And the reason it's yours is not because you've seen it, but it's yours because you have the deed to it. I've used this illustration before. If, if, if there's a car that somebody gave me in California, and I'm supposed to go there, it may take me a couple days to get out to California, let's just say for the sake of argument, but they mailed to me overnight, FedExed it to me, the title or the deed to that automobile here in Charleston, South Carolina, and, and I received that, and it's in order, and it's got my name on it, and all the things are properly affixed to it, even though I'm standing in Charleston, South Carolina, and that car is over there in California on the other side of the nation, how many of you know that's my car? It's mine. Doesn't matter whether I've seen it or not yet. I've got the deed to it right here in my hand. So you've got to begin to see it, say it, to the point where your heart seizes it as a deed. It's a title. It's yours. The best way to illustrate this really, I think, is the negative. And, and let me just take for a moment because I think we'll identify with that because it's such a predominant part of so many people's lives. You get up in the morning and you do this. You go, I hate this job. I don't want to go to this job. I don't want to be here. I hate it. I'm miserable. And that's what you do. And, and you know what? Can I just share this with you? Sooner or later, you won't have it. Yeah. Unless you work for the DMV, maybe. I don't know. But, it's, but sooner or later, you won't have it. Because you keep declaring and you keep confessing. And then, lo and behold, you get it and you're surprised. All this time of year, I'm always sick. I'm going to catch something. I know it's going to come. I just, I just know, I just know, probably before the week's out, I'm just going to be hacking and wheezing and coughing and ran, 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 ran. And it happens. And all of a sudden you go, see, I told you, I told you. Yeah, you, you got the deed to that sickness. Hallelujah. It was titled to you because you could see it. You could say it, and then you seized it. Why do you think bitterness and grudges and all the other crud manifest so easily? It's because we spend so much time yakking, 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 yakking. We need to get the revelation and be resolute in the promises of God. We see it, we say it, to the point we have seized it in our hearts. It has been established in our hearts. And everyone else can look at you and say, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, ain't no way, Jose, that will happen. And you can just smile, you don't even have to argue. You can just, inside of you, just wave that deed at them. It's, what, it's the exact thing that happened with regards to going to heaven. It doesn't matter who anymore comes up to me and says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a heaven. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. How can you believe all this? How can you believe God to do all this? And they'll just go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they might even have degrees and all the rest. And maybe they are smarter than I am. But inside, I just smile and I just wave my deed to eternal life. Because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I know. Do you know? I hope so. Maybe before the morning's over, you can know. 
It's a great thing. I watch people all the time saying, if you ask, are you going to heaven? They'll go, I hope so. I hope so too. How would you like to know so? I know whom I have believed. I know whom I've trusted. I know the deed that's in my heart. I've confessed out of my mouth that Jesus is Lord. 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 And it's been seized. Now, hear me. Most Christian church-going people have no problem with that right there. Their problem is, is that once the enemy sees them birthed into new life, he comes up to them quickly and he says, from this point forward, don't say anything positive. And you spend the rest of your life wondering why it doesn't work. But the same thing that got you into the kingdom is the same thing that keeps you going on in the kingdom. It's the same thing that makes the kingdom work for you. It's when you see it, you say it, and then you seize it. Now, I'm going to stop with this story, and I'm done. The other night, there was something that Tracy had shared with me, and I, I can't go into all the detail of it, aside from the fact that um, it was a negative report. And it, it wasn't that anybody was being really negative. It was just that a negative report had come. And so she was, she was asking me a couple things about this, and we, we were sharing, as oftentimes we will do. And I mentioned to her... The story of Nehemiah. Now, I'm going I'm to preach this again, so I'm just going to hit the high parts, but I'm going to come back to this sometime. But if you'll read just the first three, four, five chapters of Nehemiah, I mean, it'll, it'll bless you. Because Nehemiah was a man whom God gave a burden or he gave a vision to, to rebuild the walls that had broken down in old Jerusalem. Nehemiah had heard that the walls had fallen down and there was something inside of him. God began to stir in him and gave him a vision that the walls needed to be rebuilt. The reason walls needed to be rebuilt was because that was the indicator. It was difficult without some time, and I can't spend the time, but that was an indicator that God was again ruling in the midst of his people. Nehemiah got a vision for that, and I got to understand, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. His job was that he, he drank the king's drinks before they were given to the king to make sure that if they were poisoned, he'd die first. How'd you like that job? That was his job, the cupbearer. He had nothing aside from really what the king gave him. There probably wasn't much in the way of savings. There wasn't anything in the way of prosperity. I mean, he was a servant to this king, but he had this burden. And the whole story of Nehemiah is how God began to give him favor and how God opened doors. And there were challenges, great, great challenges to Nehemiah at first, the burden and the favor came, and, 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 and the walls, you got to understand the rubble that was all around Jerusalem. But Nehemiah could see, he could see those walls built. But as he began the work, there were these voices that would arise up. Some of them were nobles. It was the people with lots of money, and they looked at it, and they were obviously, because they were successful in business, obviously they're successful in spiritual things, so... They were the ones just kind of, you know, going poo-poo on the whole thing. Can you say poo-poo from the pulpit? I guess you can, so I just did. They were just kind of, they were just, they were just kind of demeaning it. Then you had the literal enemies, Sanballat and Tobiah, who would, who would criticize and they would do everything they could to discourage Nehemiah and to discourage the people, to discourage all of this. And you've got to understand that, that the walls had laid in rubble for literally 
century. And now all of a sudden this cupbearer is going to come. How can you do this? You don't have any resource. You don't have any connections. You don't have, you don't have anything at your disposal. And they would criticize and criticize and discourage and discourage. And they would say to Nehemiah and the people, you can't do this. You can't do it. But Nehemiah would stand up and he would look at them and he would say, and I'm quoting from Nehemiah 2, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. He is great. He is awesome. We will see the hand of our God move. Nehemiah didn't have anything. This was Nehemiah. Nothing. He didn't have anything. All he had was this, this vision that he could see. He'd keep speaking the vision. He'd just keep saying it and saying it and saying it, and everyone else was going, but he just keeps saying it, and resource and favor flowed to him. And the Bible tells us, this is what it says, it says in 53 days, that's the most remarkable thing. I read that. It's the most remarkable thing. I think in all the Bible, it ought to get preached more. Because this which had laid in, in ruins for centuries, in 53 days, was raised up. And a miracle took place. But it didn't just happen. It happened because they could see it. They would say it. And then they seized it. Let's do it. What do you do? You. 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 One more time. You. 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 Now, God's not suspending those rules for you. I know you're all that, but he just isn't going to do that. He's not doing it for me either. Because I figured out I'm not all that. But he is all that. Praise God. Praise God. How about standing with me, will you? Don't play any music or anything yet, guys. Don't do that. Don't push any buttons yet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that with you... Nothing is impossible. Nothing. All things are possible to him that believes. Holy Spirit, would you soak that into the fabric of our being here this morning? Lord, I'm praying right now for people who, Lord, they're, they're Christian people. They've seized the title. They've seized the deed to eternal life. And they're walking that out. But Lord, so much of the rest of their life is just shut down. It's stopped. It isn't happening. And they want a breakthrough. And Lord, the areas of breakthrough, I'm sure, are as vast and varied as the number of people who are in this room this morning. But Lord, right now, would you by your spirit allow them to see, to see the promise of God? 
Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that people in this room would begin to see themselves in that different spot. See themselves in that different room, that different career, that different job. Help them to see themselves right now as whole and mended and delivered. To see themselves right now as, as, as out of their, their bondage and their, their addictions and all that other junk and chains that's on them. Let them see the end right now. Let them see the end from the beginning. Let them see it. Can you see it? Come on, shake, shake your head, just shake your mind clean. I gotta see, I gotta see it. I gotta see that which you said I would do. I gotta see it. See it. Some of you, some of you right now, God wants to use you in great ways in, in the community. God wants to use you in ministry. God wants to use you in so many wonderful areas of life. But you've gotta see it. See it. See order, see change. And you got to start saying it. Say it, say it, say it. I'm not the same. I'm, I'm, I'm changing from glory to glory. I'm moving from faith to faith. I'm not like I was yesterday or last week or last year. I'm not, and I'm going to be changed tomorrow morning and the next week and the next month. I am changing. It is changing. My job situation's changing. My season's changing. The page is turning. Hallelujah. There's a new era that's coming to me. Hallelujah. I believe I'm favored. I believe God's going to move. I believe that door that's been shut is opening up. I believe it. I'm seeing it open right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare it and I confess it. Hallelujah. Don't you worry that someone thinks you're excessive or you're over the top. Let me tell you something. When you're walking in God's favorable season, they'll be looking at you wishing they'd done life different. You may be excessive now, but you'll be a genius about a month or a year from now. Amen. You got to start seeing it, seeing it, seeing it. Instead of saying, how can this be? You need to start saying, yes, it will be. Let it be unto me according to your word. See it and say it. Come on now, out of your heart. Some of you are afraid to believe again. You know, that's a little bit for me, you know. You get the rug pulled out from under you a time or two. Can you imagine Joseph going to, to Potiphar's house and the false accusations and prison and all the time that all those crazy, dysfunctional things happened to him and how many times the rug was pulled out from under his feet and yet he still could see that vision when he was 17. You may have felt like the rug's been pulled out from under you a time or two. I got good news for you. You can just, just step up and dust yourself off and just say, well, I'm being positioned for a greater miracle. You know, it would have made sense to do this another way. I think it would have made sense, but apparently God's positioning me for a greater miracle. Well, glory to God. It may be impossible, but now I'm in God's possibility land. Are you hearing me? You got to seize that in your heart. Seize that deed. Grab a hold of it now. You say, I don't know, I can't, I can't. Then you just keep confessing the promises of God. You keep speaking the promises of God. You let your tongue begin to rudder your life to the conclusion that you know God has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, right now that you're saturating and you're soaking your people with that truth right now. Lord, I believe there are great things for people in this room. 
I believe that there is more promise per square inch right now in this room than maybe anywhere else in all of America today because we're apprehending and we're seeing what you have for lives. Thank you, Lord, that it's happening. Thank you, Lord, that people are believing again. Thank you, Lord, that they're, that they're choosing to take that step to say, this is, I am, this is, Lord, enable me, grace me, empower me to arise and do this again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord, for doing that. Can I, can I ask as a people, can you begin, will you begin to see, I'm telling you, in 21 months, in 21 months, listen to me, in 21 months, where we're standing today comes to a close. You say, well, you could renegotiate and you could do this. Oh, I could do a lot of things in the natural. Sure, I could. I mean, I, I don't believe we're going to be standing out in the rain and getting soaked. I, I don't believe that. But, but you need to understand, in 21 months, though, I believe the season for here is closing. It's not just because I think it ought to close. I believe God is closing that season. I need, I need at least a remnant, but I need you to begin to see with me resource coming into the house of God. I need you to begin to see people releasing resource. I need you to begin to see people that just drive by and say, I don't know why God told me to drop off a check. And, and as long as I'm dropping off the check, I think I'm going to come to worship with you too. Why not? Why not? Come on, why not? people saying well you know we don't we don't we don't have people of means i know that's why we're positioned for a greater miracle <laughs> so you got to see you're looking at the natural still well if we could just get you know mr a and sister b and you know dr c yeah that's right oh yeah, yeah everything would be no 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 if we just got god <laughs> you got to see it though See it, see it, and I need you to say it. Speak it. Let it be seized in your heart. Come on now, you got to own it too. You got to own this hour too. And, and I'm going to tell you, I've, I've preached this all the years that I know of, and it's this, that when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they all went together. And when they all went together, God gave them all their personal destinies. There's something that happens when the corporate links up with the personal. It's amazing how God does that. I want you to succeed as a person, but I want us to succeed as a people. Come on, we've got to see it, to say it, and to seize it as a people. Lord, let that saturate now into the hearts of your people here. Come on now, let him do that. Let him do that. Let him do that. Let him do it. When people, when people walk up to you and say, well, how can legacy do that? Just, 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 just shake your head and go, the goodness of our God and the greatness of his hand shall do this thing. <laughs> Come on now. It's a scary place, isn't it? Because you, you say, well, I might look like a fool. Oh, no, you'll look like you're full of faith. And, and, and the city will wonder and be amazed. Hallelujah. Lord, you're stirring. I, I sense your spirit stirring right now in this moment. 
You're helping people right now. They're getting a hold of it. I'm sensing people are getting a hold of this right now. As you listen to me speak, it wasn't, you didn't disagree, but you hadn't quite apprehended. People are apprehending because the Holy Spirit's helping you apprehend some things right now. Man, I could feel that. There was an anointing that just, that just dropped right there. Lord, let that, let that anointing not just come to give us a good feeling, but let it be, let it be, let it be uh, uh, profitable. Let, 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 it, let it do that which it was designed to do right now by causing us, Lord, to arise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now, some of your poverty mentalities are breaking right now. Some of your fears are breaking. Let them break. The anointing will break every yoke, every bondage. Come on, it's breaking. It's breaking your fears. Let it break your fears right now. Come on now, trust God. Break off those fears. You may say, well, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at and what I face and the stresses and the strains. And you're right, I probably can't identify with you. But I can tell you this, God's still bigger than that. He's still greater than that. Come on, let him break those fears off of you. Come on, break those bondages and chains. and Come on now, let him release you. You've been holding on to a, a wound or a grudge or a bitterness because you think if you let it go that you're letting them get away with it. Let it go and see your future. Don't look at your past. Your past is gone. See your future. Come on now, let it go. Let it go. Come on, that's happening in this room. Right now, right now, you're beginning to believe again, to see again. You're positioning yourself, listen to me, you're positioning yourself right now for a breakthrough. You, you were wanting one before, but if God did it, it would have to have been a sovereign act, but now you're positioning yourself for God to say, I'm going to move according to my word in that person's life. Amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is what I want to ask before we go today. If you're here today and you would say to me, you know, Pastor, I, I, I've, I've either lost a deed, and again, I'm not, I'm not getting into some doctrinal challenge. I'm just trying to get relationship right. But if you feel like you don't have the deed, you lost the deed, or you never had the deed, to a relationship. I mean, I'm not talking about religion or church. I'm talking to a living Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm not asking what church you go to, and I, I think you ought to go here if you want to be honest, but that, that's beyond the point at the moment. My point is this. You've got to have a relationship with a, 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 with a Lord that you can't see with your natural eyes, but you must begin to see with the eyes of faith. You must see his sacrifice on a cross with the eyes of faith. You must begin to see the resurrection with the eyes of faith in order that newness and transformation can come to you. And right now, if that ain't happening, then what you need to do is you need to present yourself by doing an act of faith. And what we do here is we just ask people to slip out and just come join me right here. And we just pray. It's an act of faith. It's just saying, I believe that. And, and it's an opportunity to put your feet to that faith. It's not just saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. Great, 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 great. Now, how are you going to act on that? Well, I'm giving you away right now. How about it? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I ask right now that if you're knocking at people's heart's door and there are lives here that need to be repositioned, 
in order to have their relationship restored with you in order that they can get the journey back on track. Lord, I pray right now that they would act on that and they would take the step in front of people. You said that if you, if you were confessed before men, that you'd confess us before the Father. If you denied us, you would do, do the same. So, Lord, we're just doing what your word says that we're to do. So, Lord, I pray right now in these last few moments as we just tarry for another moment, it's your work. I'm not doing anything, Lord. This is your work. Would you move on their hearts right now to slip out and to just to join me? If that's you, just slip out right now and just join me. God bless you. Just any, anyone else. You won't be the first here. God bless you. I love you. How about it? Come on. Yeah, come on. Anyone else? Aren't you going to give us any music or anything? Nope. Just faith. Just faith. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Need some Kleenex. Ladies, come help me. God bless you. Anyone else? God loves you. God loves you. Anyone else? Come on now. Anyone else? You know me. I'd, I'd stay all day. Make you stand there all day long. Make you stand there all day long. Amen. We love you. We love you. God bless you. We love you. Anyone else? This is how you get to see how the Holy Spirit works. See, this is how the Holy Spirit works. How about it? I just have another moment or two, and we're going to pray. Don't outweigh me. It's your moment. It's your moment right now. Come on. It's your moment right now. Thank you, Lord. Hey, Dan, if you could go ahead, maybe if you want to start that quiet times, that's good to go ahead and start that. Let's pray one more time. I want everybody to join with these who come. I don't want anybody just waiting around or not speaking, but I want us all to speak together. We're going to make a confession out loud together. And I want everybody to do this with me and say, Dear Jesus, I've sensed the knock at my heart's door. And I want to get my relationship right. I see right now my future in you. I want to be right with you. And I see that now. And I say out of my mouth, that I repent from all my waywardness and all my sin and I turn unto you and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Oh, I believe and I have the deed in my heart that you were raised from the dead to empower me and to give me newness of life. I receive that as if I was already there with you in heaven. It's real in me. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know that I know that I know. Thank you, Lord that there's change today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Big, big, big hand. Hallelujah.
One more time. You what? You. 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 Amen. Amen. I want you to dream that tonight. I want it to plague you tonight. See it. Say it. Seize it. Amen. And we're going to see the manifestation of what's been deeded to us come to pass. Lord, bless your people now as we go our separate ways this day. Lord, keep them safe through this holiday season. I, I declare safety is here. Longevity is here. Long life is here. Prosperity is here. Healing is here. Blessing is here. It is here. It is here. It is here. Let it manifest now in your people's lives. And Lord, may they be blessed. And may they be a testimony to those they come in contact with. Even this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord one last hand. And I hope to see you in the middle of the week. If not, we'll see you on the Lord's Day. God bless you. You're released. God bless you.